You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead, pull up a chair. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to the After Laugh. <laughs> Here I am with Felicia Michaels. How are you? You just said this is a kooky area. Do yeah, you mean West Hollywood or my yard? Your yard is very kooky. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by kooky? I was driving over here. I was wondering like, what? I wonder what Bill Dawes' space is like. Like he seems like a pretty put together fella. You know what I mean? And this is like, this is like some MTV like house party situation. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's very like, yeah, I don't know what it, we got. I mean, people who don't know, but there's a, there's a barbecue grill. There's a movie projector screen, and then there's a TV, and there's a couch, and there's heatings, and there's a bike, and there's but a But we're like in an outside apartment. It's an outside apartment is really what it is, <laughs> because the actual apartment uh-huh. is, is a Jamie Masada match, matchbook apartment. Oh, okay. It's right here. It's like, and is this all your stuff right here? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And people think it's going to get stolen, but so far, the only thing that got stolen was my car. So, <laughs> which is right past no the fence. No one wants a big screen no anymore. A, yeah, that's too heavy. <laughs> Who wants to carry that thing? I bought a big screen and then I just use my iPad. I've ne- I haven't turned oh, it really? on. Yeah, like I just use my iPad. Oh, iPad. I think my iPhone. Yeah, iPad. Um, Felicia, let me just say this. I've I, I, I wanted you on for a while now. Um, I consider you a friend. I, I, I really respect and admire you. And you always surprise me. I think I think that you know that too. That you know that you surprise what? people. I think that you know that you're a surprising human being. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> right? No, I don't I think mean that so. in the best way possible. No, I, I mean, I know that you're not being mean, but surprising in what way? Well, Tell okay, me more. so here's, here's why. So I think when we first met, and, I, uh-huh. and you can deny this or not, I know the truth. I think you just hated me. You probably just thought what? I was like a douchey, frat boy comic. I do get that. <laughs> like when I first met you, I thought you were like a frat boy. I love boy, that like you're saying that in be. your outside. You- Indoor, outside yard. <laughs> Look, I'm wearing a robe. I have my legs crossed. You've got shoes very on. Bourgeois. You're in a robe. Um, <laughs> so, um, and uh, and I met you, and you, 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 you know, you were very sweet, very soft spoken. And then you went on stage, and I was like, oh my god, like just wasn't what I was expecting from my first image of you. And you had this confidence. You're really quiet. I didn't really know your story at all. And then. Uh, and I was also had my head in my ass. I wasn't even like trying to find out your story. Because you were being douchey. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was a frat boy douche. <laughs> so, um, and then you come, and I just, I maybe it was just my, I was like, ah, I think she hates me. Maybe myself was a little too sexist in the beginning. Um, and then you're friends with Jeff Singer. I was like, ugh. Anyway. Oh, stop okay. it. <laughs> so, um. And then I saw, and I, and, 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 I, and I always liked your stuff. I didn't, you know, and then we had a, a couple conversations. I was like, oh, she's really cool. And then I just started hearing things about you. And I followed you on Facebook. And you were, you're an amazing painter. You're oh, thank you. a mother. You're a writer. You're a comic. You're a director. You're, uh, and, and then your comedy career is actually a very storied career. And I don't say actually in the way of like, can you believe it? But particularly now like everything is sort of like insta famous and like people don't realize you you were i consider you a seminal comic in female 
comedian lore. I mean, you've won. Wow, you've thanks, been nominated Bill. for multiple. You won Female Comic of the Year. Back in the day, day. Back in the day, day. Yeah. Which is still a day. It still counts. That's all right. <laughs> and you, um, and you pose nude in Playboy. I show. I mean, my... how many female comics or comics any? P- well, they ask Playboy? everybody, but I was really? the only one that said yes. <laughs> no, they did like the year before I posed in Playboy. They did like a girls of comedy in Playboy, and it was a bunch of kind of open micer kind of comics. Yeah. One or two, uh, you know, that weren't, but. But I always just thought, man, if you're going to show your vagina, be the featured vagina. Don't be like one amongst many. That's what I always say, too, yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Like, why why do that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So then I, uh, a year later, I'd won Star Search. Yeah, that's um, not that you won, which was, uh, this is the 90s, I'm assuming. That's it was huge at the time. That was kind of a big thing, right? And uh, but I had come up through comedy uh, uh, in an odd way. Um, I started comedy when I was, I think, eighteen or nineteen years old. But I was a stripper. So, oh my God, please walk me through that um, in terms of uh, in terms of how that played out. Because I used to know that there were comedy shows at strip clubs. I know that was a thing that people you'd open for like the right. Playboy. Club I've even done like some that. of those afterwards. But like, what was it? How how did this play out? How did you get into well, it? Um, so at the time, uh, I I grew up as an army brat. Okay. Uh, so uh, that's all you need to say. Now I know why you're a stripper. No, I'm okay, kidding. I know. <laughs> and uh, so you travel around a lot. You were probably in the as Midwest. A kid, and it's like a whole cultural thing. Like when I was 18, I got married to the guy I dated. At, you know, who was like 20 years old and in the army, like a PFC in the army. Like, that's what everyone did. Yeah. That's what you did. So he's and, a little bit older than you? Yeah, just a tick older yeah. than me. There was a lot of other stuff, but, uh, and my uh, my mother was handicapped. So I was in a position when I was 18 where I was told by a social worker, like, you either go to college or you have to move out of your mother's house because uh, it was being paid by, you know, housing, like HUD, you know? So, uh, it's such a weird story. So then he asked me to marry him, and I was like, "All right." But that's what everybody that's did. What you it do. was in a small town, and uh, and then he got violent, and then mm-hmm. I left uh, the second time, and I had uh, no choice because uh, we lived in a small town outside Colorado Springs called Fountain, Colorado, and there wasn't any public transportation. So I, I just I, I didn't have a car, didn't know how to drive. No, I did have a driver's license, but I didn't have a car. You know, my mom's in a wheelchair. She's on welfare. You know, I'm 18 years old. I'm already some guys beating me up. And yeah, you are the stereotype of the Kansas woman at this point, kind of. In well, a way. you know, just, yeah, the white trash chick, you know, yeah. army brat, right? So uh, I uh, stayed with a girlfriend for a little bit and I was looking for a job and... I uh, answered an ad in uh, in the paper, and so I went. And like the local paper, like looking for dancers. How was no, that? No, it was like it? no. You want to work in a club? You you know want to be a hostess? Want to serve drinks? Can you serve food? It was like one of those. Yeah, yeah. So then I go to the place, which was by the mall. It was like a little building by the mall in Colorado Springs, Colorado. A, a, a business building, right? And and everything seemed legit. Took the bus there, right? <laughs> and I go in and there's this beautiful woman sitting like in the office and like she smiles and the sun catches her 
her eye tooth, you know, <laughs> that kind of shit, like bling, bling. But you think she might be the devil too, yeah, right? Yeah. And then the conversation just kind of was like, well, we're really looking for dancers. You know, she'll dance around it, um, you know. And, uh, and then... I kind of just split it, a split, and went back to the apartment where I was staying with this girl. So you, you ended the interview abruptly. You're like, no, yeah, not I, I got to get out of here. Yeah. This is not my gig. And she's like, well, you know, there's a what t-shirt contest tonight. <laughs> I was like, so like that, right? <laughs> I was like, Hi, no, <laughs> right? And so I take the fucking bus back to the wrong side of town, and I go to take a shower, and there's like mold in the shower, and the, and there and it starts to rain and thunder. It's totally true. I'm already seeing. The act one act two progression oh, yeah. in the movie yeah. oh yeah for sure so it starts to rain and thunder and then water starts dripping through the light socket and i was like this is a fucking <laughs> tinder box right <laughs> and so i uh went to the strip club that night i was like this is the moment you just got back in the bus you rolled up like <laughs> no the me? strip club was actually only like five blocks away from where i was staying because oh was, shit. yeah because it was not in a great area and so uh I you know I did the dirty and so uh, so let me yeah okay you got to give me a little more foreplay okay so you walk in yeah is that that woman isn't there anymore right no probably no. just a big giant this dude is probably just a big old on. filthy strip club and so you walk in like um with your um Mike Dave can I have a cigarette do you mind uh-uh. I'll take one Mike's be be careful she she has not had this is Mike David he's he's a he's the cramp you want one too I'll take one. I love Felicia Michaels. So um, you walk in. There's a big sweaty guy with a cheap. Photo oh, it's like full-on strip club bullshit. And, and how then, do you get the job that? Oh, because oh, it's, it's, it's a contest. So then they're like, uh, pick a song from these sheets of music, right? Like it was like just a list of songs. And so I, I the first one was ACDC's Highway to Hell, right? Mm. And I was like, that if you're gonna if you're gonna That's do it. You, you gotta have a theme song, right? Yeah, so yeah. I danced to uh, Highway to Hell, and Colorado Springs is where they have the Olympic Training Center, and yeah. so uh, the whole hockey team was there. Like I didn't know, like right? It's usually just GIs and Air Force yeah. Academy, and, and here's like, something people don't realize: truckers, hockey guys are hot. When you see them with their masks walking around, they're hot dudes. Yeah, as long as they don't smile. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. So they all lined up and gave me a dollar. And then this old man, uh, he, they were very cute though. And the old man came and he threw like $101 bills. And uh, as it was like... Just you. And just you? Were you, were you on the stage hell? with yeah. a bunch of women or just you? Oh, it was just me. Through the $101. Uh, fuck, no. I was like, I have found my calling. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is so me. <laughs> my tits are generating I this? I know. And I never had like a breast when I was growing up until I was like 17 and a half. And then all of a sudden I got, a, you know, just a little bit. But they, you know, I don't know. They were apparently they well proportioned they for weren't. the club. So I won the contest. Mm -hmm. But that night in the crowd. How much money did you win for the contest? I won $500. $100 plus my tips. Jesus. I know. You know how much money that it was like that's like three times the amount. That'd be like winning fifteen hundred dollars yeah, yeah, plus yeah. your tips. Yeah. That's how that's insane. That's a lot. Yeah, I had enough to give uh, money to my mom so she could buy groceries for herself and buy a sweet ass pair of fingerless lace gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, I'm in. I'm in. Did this they hire me. you that night? Well then hey, listen, uh, we got some job opportunities. Yeah, they they were hinting around at it, but that night uh there was a comedian in the crowd and I met him. 
He asked he was me just out. In the, uh, watching? Just, you know, being he asked you, uh, I, I appreciate your breasts. Would you like to go to dinner? He's just, hey, I'm a comedian, blah, 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 blah. Who is it? Do you remember him? Oh, it was his name was Jeff Valdez. Uh-huh. Do you know Jeff? He's still working? He's still, he, he uh, now is like, d- produces a little bit or... Anyway, I'm going to refrain from saying some things, but yes. so we moved in together. Uh, it just turned out like that, and by the time I was 19, I was doing comedy. Now, so he he did he convince you to do comedy, or did you already have a penchant for it? We went to uh, the Comedy Works in Denver. Great club. Great club. I don't know how it was back then, but oh it's no, club. it's always been a great club. Yeah, and. Uh, I saw him on stage, right? And and, and then a, a girl had opened for him and the girl was really terrible and I was like all 19 and drunk at a comedy club. And I, <laughs> were oh you heckling? I didn't heckle, but when but when he, you know, uh, when we were leaving, I was like, that girl was terrible. I could do better than that. And he was like, you finna shut your file, you drunkard. <laughs> but Was that his opener? <laughs> was that girl his like standard opener or just some random? It was just, it must have been like an open mic thing. It wasn't yeah. like a three person show. Okay. It was a few comics on the show. And then, uh, so then uh, he's like, I'll, I'll bet you a blowjob you won't do comedy. And I, and I don't know. It's a weird one sided bet. What? It's a weird one sided bet. It is a weird one sided bet. <laughs> but you know, when you're 19 year old, you you really don't want to suck a lot of people's dick. I'll suck a dick now for a penny, but I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, I'm someone's mom. I should say at least a nickel. <laughs> let, me, let me look for some change. Okay. okay. So um. So I just was like, fuck it, I'm going to try to do it. And then I wrote jokes, and he helped me. I will say that he helped me. And then uh, he used to have this Monday night in Colorado Springs at a club called Godfathers, which was like a rock and roll club. Uh-huh. And on Monday nights, they used to do comedy there. And so uh, he just brought me up. Some of the comics felt really bad for me, and one of them taped my set list near the microphone. And then I didn't know this, but he had told my mom and a neighbor had brought my mom and my mom actually saw me do stand up for the first time. Do you remember the jokes that you told? Do you remember any of them? Oh, they were horrific. They were, you were know. They story? I mean, I, I wouldn't even know. Everyone goes in comedy. There's some way some people write. I just went there and I said, I'm going to wing it. I'm funny. It was a disaster. But you wrote these jokes. How long did it take you to write jokes before you went on well, stage? Well, he helped me. So it wasn't like a lot, but it was just like, you know, you know, uh, my when my dad wanted a boy when I was uh, born because I was a girl, he told my mom, "Why don't you shove her back where she come from?" And my mom said, "Well, that'd be pretty painful for you." <laughs> just jokes like that, just yeah, yeah, dumb yeah. jokes, you know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it was like what five minutes, something like that. I would Three imagine. Minutes. Yeah, I can't imagine. Were you, it. you must have been terrified that your mom was there. Were you? I didn't realize until afterwards. Oh, that's and, good. Yeah. I actually kind of saw her, and then I was like, "Wow, that's kind of weird." But no, actually, I killed. You killed. <laughs> <I did. laughs> that's how it gets you. That's oh my how. It God. Gets, yeah, you. And I imagine your boyfriend at the time was probably a little bit like, "Hmm, she killed." <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, the second time I did it, I ate the biggest dick on the planet Earth. <laughs> yeah, you, 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 you got it bomb at, yeah. at some point. So second, yeah, that usually happens. Either people they kill the first time, and their second time they bomb. Or they bomb the first time, second time they do okay. Something keeps them going. Right, yeah. right. So you bombed. Was that enough? Did that resolve you, or did that make you go, "Man, this maybe isn't for me"? You know, when I had never in my entire life did anything where it automatically uh, was good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sure. I. 
you know, I can do some things, you know, but but I never had that experience. Yeah. And so that's like the drug, right? Like, yeah. you know, like, wow, I fucking, I didn't even have to really try and that's what happened. It's yeah. a drug, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't buy a laugh for about a year afterwards, but. So did, did you, um, after the first set and the second, do you do the same set at that point? Um, can I do that? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, you know, pretty much, pretty much. And then I, I was just thinking because Laurie Kilmartin put up this tweet today that said, uh, if you don't cringe uh, uh, when you remember your first jokes, you haven't grown as a comic. Yeah. And that's so true because there was this guy named Todd. He's still in uh, uh, Colorado. He used to write for like Ron White and a bunch of people. But he was my age, but he used to have this, because, you know, Cabbage Patch Dolls, this is how fucking old I am. Cabbage Patch Dolls were in uh, popular then. And so he used to have this bit called Cabbage Patch Barbie. And it was just like a Barbie, like legs and arms and a head sticking out of a thing of cabbage, right? <laughs> and then so I bought that bit from him for like 50 <laughs> I can make the cabbage patch Barbie fly. Just give it to me. I'm all like, you shouldn't do a cabbage patch joke. You should let my lame ass do that cabbage patch joke. And then but, you did it. And you're like, it probably didn't work. Oh my god, no! And then I wrote. Uh, then I kind of I wrote. <laughs> you're 19. No one writes. So then I, but I added on uh, cucumber can. <laughs> That's already funny. funny <laughs> and then I would used to go, I would have them, so he would have a cucumber on him, right? And then I used to take them. This is how terrible it Wait, is. You had you had an actual cucumber? Well, you can't just have Cabbage Patch Barbie and imaginary cucumber kid. Oh, so you actually had a cabbage? Oh, yeah. Oh, I thought you just... Yeah, I bought that bit. You bought the whole package. Yeah, I bought the bit and then I had to go get a Barbie doll and kill her and... And then every time I do a set, I have to buy cabbage. It was kind of a drag, right? It was very, like, stupid, right? And so, and then at the end, my ending joke was, uh, I would hold the <laughs> the cucumber can and the cabbage patch for me, and I would say, I'm going to make coleslaw out of you, bitch. <laughs> that would make me laugh if I saw that. Oh, my God, it's so stupid. I always thought that it'd be, I wanted to do the show at one point called First Year, Last Year, and you open, like, you do all your jokes that you've just written, like, the past year, and then you do the jokes you've written your first year. Oh, my and God. And put it in one so set. terrible. To see how it would go. <laughs> That's hilarious. But then uh, I came to L.A., because uh, I was like, my Cabbage Patch Barbie, my cucumber again, are going to kill. Hollywood sees this. The doors are going to open up. I know. So you literally just got in your jalopy and just drove out? Yeah, be yeah, because then I broke up with the guy, and then I, he kind of did a lot of booking in Colorado, so I couldn't get so any like, gigs. Oh, fucked, yeah. So I was already fucked by 19 <laughs> twice, <laughs> you know what I mean? By being married to did an you abuser, feel, yeah, did and you then feel, a comic. <laughs> oh, God. From, from bad to worse. So did you... um. Uh, did you feel bad leaving your mom in that situation? Oh, for sure. But it was one of those things like, uh, I'm not help. I'm not going to be able to uh, help my mom if I stay. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I, I couldn't get a job. Like, after I had done the stripping, I tried to get a real job. I had a job as a hostess at a really popular, like, one of the popular business breakfast lunch places. But then the guy found out I was a stripper and he fired me. Oh, so, my God. So, and then I couldn't get any gigs because <laughs> the guy I broke up with was pissed. So, I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm coming to L.A. And so, I, I had bought. Had you saved a lot of money at this point? No, I had hardly any money, but I had bought a little piece of shit car for like 500 bucks from this comic named Jeff Allen. <laughs> it was like a one of the first uh, Hondas, you know, like small little economic cars, mm-hmm. but it he was from Chicago, so it had no floorboard. So I literally saw every fucking inch of the highway driving Holy from Colorado fuck. to LA. Yeah, it was a dangerous little car. <laughs> and then it, right when I got to LA, it broke down. But I was doing sets around town. But then well, I... How did you... So you arrive with a, a car that breaks down. How did you go from there to even getting sets? Well, I did this thing called lining up at the comedy store. Lining up. You, I oh, lined you, up at you the comedy store. You lined up and you yeah. auditioned for Mitzi? And within like... It took me like six months okay. to kind of... How are you affording your life? Well, uh, I was doing temp jobs. And uh, and I wasn't making any money. Oh, and then I did. A, I danced downtown L.A. Uh, di- like dancing for a dime. Did you you know like taxi dancing? I have no idea what that is. Are you serious? No. Oh my god! So back in the day, day they used to have taxi dancers uh-huh. like like in the like way before my time, where you know creepy guys would go to a club and some they would you know dance with some woman and then you know so it was like that. But it was in downtown LA and it was an Asian club. It was run by the Asian mafia. This is a totally true story. And uh, so uh, I. So it wasn't a strip club. It was just a normal no, club. No, it was and a. You just dance on the dance floor. It with was. Guys. A, the club was like a. a how it would work is uh, if you were a girl, like if you, if you were a guy, a customer, and you would walk into the club, uh-huh. immediate, you would pay your ticket and immediately to a right, to the right, there would be like. Uh, a little a space with about 15 chairs and and 15 girls of all ilk sitting on the chairs and then you pick like hey that chair or that chair right like that girl or that girl yeah and then you go into like the disco part of the club and if you're the girl like you can't have drinks or anything they uh, a lot of times they would do business there yeah and so uh, you would just sit there and drink a Coke, and then uh, this is so true. <laughs> oh my God, I'm gonna tell you a crazy story. This is so. This is so true. Yeah. So then uh, I met this guy Lawrence, and Lawrence's boss was this guy Jimmy, and he was in uh, what's the uh, prison down south there? A little there's a is it in an island or? N- not Alcatraz. No. No, no. 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 South. Anyway. I don't know the prisons. He's like, my friend's getting out of prison. <laughs> uh, and we're having a big party at in, and I just got to LA too. And we're having a big party in the Palisades. I didn't know where anything was, right? Yeah. And uh, here's the address. Uh, show up. And, uh, and, and, and I went with this girl, Raven. He actually made the deal with her, this chick named Raven. And, uh, and so I, I go to uh, meet them at a parking lot in the Palisades, and they drive me to some huge fucking mansion. This is totally true, Bill Dawes. I believe it, 100%. And we get inside the mansion, and there's like 15 
Asian dudes and Raven and me. Like, <sighs> I'm not even exaggerating. But they had like some famous sushi chef and he made us like this, my first time eating sushi and he made us some incredible meal and it was awesome. But there was one guy who was uh, in charge of everybody else. Mm -hmm. but he had like green eyes. It, he's very handsome in an odd way, right? And, uh, and so he said something and then they all left with Raven and they went downstairs. And then I was just sitting there with this guy, and then uh, he's like, "Hey, do you, do you want to go uh, take a steam, right?" And then I'm like, "Fuck, I don't know where I'm at. My car is at some parking lot. Like, what am I gonna do?" Yeah. Right. So I go downstairs. Raven has done some business, and she's sitting there playing mahjong with the guys. Right. <laughs> like almost naked. Right. And and I'm like, Raven. He wants me to go into the steam room with him. I don't know what to do. Am I boring you with this story? Not at all. Okay, okay. This is amazing. And Raven's like, I got two more guys. Figure it the fuck out and I'll come get you, right? And there, I haven't been drinking Wait, she, or anything. She's got two more guys to handle type of thing? She's got to, to Two more guys, yeah, to, you know, get business or, with, okay, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. So then I go back up to the steam room and he starts pinching me, right? He starts like really fucking grabbing me and pinching me. And then I'm like, oh my God, this is how it ends. What's my mama oh, gonna no. do? Like, I'm so fucked, right? But he was very drunk. So he yeah. gets up and he goes into this master bedroom and I'm in the bathroom like, what do I do, what do I do? And I go out of the bathroom, he miraculously is asleep. <laughs> oh my God. Right? Yeah. And, and it's, it's a huge mansion. Yeah. So then uh, I, there's like in the big suite that he's in, it's not his house, it's someone else's house. Yeah. I sleep on the couch. And then about six o'clock in the morning, I hear the sounds of women. I wake up and little kids, right? And I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Right? And I go over to him and I'm like, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and he wakes up and I'm like, there's people here. And he's like, all right, all right. So he makes a phone call, right? First cell phone I'd ever seen in my life. Makes a phone call. And then uh, he, they usher me out without any of the women seeing. They give me like $700. I fucking take that $700, yeah. right? And then they drove me down to my car. And then like two nights later, I was downtown again at the club. And I'm like, what the fuck, Raven? And she's like, you were asleep, bitch. I had to get. Oh, because she had left. Yeah, she totally left me. <laughs> I was like, what is that world? Like, is that the Illuminati or something? What is that? It's just, you know, crazy people. It's like, <laughs> even in the club that in uh, Colorado Springs, like, it was owned by Mob. Yeah. Yeah, it was owned by Mob. Like, yeah, the, it's the just what Mob it is. was a big thing in the 90s still. People forget that. Yeah. 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 Well, that was like the 80s. That was the 80s. Oh, my God. Fucking 80s. Yeah. yeah. So then I was rededicated. I was like, fuck this taxi dancing <laughs> bullshit. I, this is some crazy shit here. I'd rather just shake my titties and like, you know what I mean, down by the airport. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's safer. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So then I worked at this club called the Jet Strip. Have you ever heard of that? Oh, by the airport. Yes. Yes. I, I think I've worked seen that. that. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it was the original Jet Strip. And uh, I would work the day shift. A couple times a week, and then I would do open mics all over town. Oh wow! Now, when you when you were stripping, was it the type of thing? Obviously, you were like, "This is just something I'm doing to survive." Right. And by the way, 
the worst stripper on the planet earth like i have no rhythm i can't dance i would do like funny songs you know what i mean i would do like the charleston i would actually play the fucking charleston i would play meat is murder you know what i mean i would just play stupid shit it was dumb but you were but you were making a living enough to pay rent and pay for your car and all that stuff and then you go do open mics yeah i had my mom come out and visit me and you know just enough money to get by and yeah yeah, and maybe send some to your mom too. Mm-hmm. And so I was maybe like 20 at that time. And then uh, I went to the comedy store again. I couldn't get in because I wasn't 21 because there weren't that many women. Yeah. I mean, the women that were participating at that time were... Uh, Elaine w- Boozler? Elaine Boozler, like... Uh, Rita Rudner? Peter Rudner, you know, it was like there weren't that many Paula Poundstone women, Paula Poundstone, but they weren't really comedy store girls or some comedy store women, but they were like Lois Bromfield, who later went on Mm -hmm. to write on Roseanne. Yeah, and so you know, uh, it was kind of like that. So the door guys were like, "Fuck off, Blondie, get out of here, shoot, get the fuck out." Yeah, at the comedy store, like that now. I know nothing's changed now. Uh, so I had to wait till I was twenty-one, and then I auditioned for Mitzi, and I got made a regular. It was a shock. So she passed you your yeah. first your first time. Yeah. Which people don't know this now. Um, Mitzi was she was the tastemaker for for comics in the world, really, at that point. So that's a yeah. huge deal to be passed by Mitzi as a regular at the comics. Even I mean, up until a few years ago, you know, that was the that was the yeah. dream for m- many was, comics. It was. It uh, was. Life-changing, for yeah. sure. Life-changing. Immediately changed my life. How so? Well, because I was living, like, in Because, you know, I, I, I knew for sure that, uh, you know, you can get... You should only strip as long as it takes you to get a college diploma, right? Like, you shouldn't, <laughs> you shouldn't strip longer than that. Yeah. You're fucked if you do. And so I knew, like... I, I don't want that to be my identity. I didn't hang out with strippers. I didn't participate and nothing because everyone had their different uh, thing that they did in order to get by doing it. So so you weren't doing drugs or drinking? I or? never did. I never did drugs or drank in a strip club because I knew and I w- that really wasn't me at that time either because I was just trying to survive to the next day. So I knew if I if I did that, I'd be fucked. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just knew. And then uh, uh, when I was made a regular, I was able to move from like a little shitty apartment in Culver City before it was cool. And then I got a place over here in West Hollywood and, and it just, and I was able to buy a car. It just immediately changed my life. Now, because the comic store famously wasn't paying comics a lot. Yeah, time. but she had that sweet ass Vegas gig. Oh, so okay. within, uh, so within probably six months of being a regular at the comedy store I was in the rotation for La Jolla and Vegas and I would get Vegas like every other month and at that time it was like $2,500 a week yeah which is I mean for like a 21 year old that yeah. and back then yeah. that you could live for two months three yeah, months yeah for sure you know? so it was uh, but it but I got a lot before I was ready mm. and so that's kind of dogged me a little bit how um, so you mean so you weren't ready? So you felt that like when the industry saw you, yeah, they weren't able to place you or something. Or they well, it was so out of the box because 
the stripping thing was such a godsend because it did introduce me to comedy, you know, and it made me not shy around men. Yeah. And at the time, you know, the comedy store was pretty, you know, a den of, you know, yes. this is the time of Kinnison. Yes. All right. This is the fucking time, right? Yeah, the patriarchy and yeah, toxic yeah. masculinity was in full yeah, effect. Yeah, yeah, And even though it was run by a woman and she bent over backwards for women at that time, 100%. Yeah. But it, it was a blessing to have been that stripper, to, to you know, to be 21 and to, and to be standing next to Richard Pryor. Yeah. I mean, come on. It was fucking crazy. I you know imagine. what I mean? Yeah. yeah, it was pretty crazy. Did you become tight with any of those guys? Any of the, the, the big dogs at the at that time? You know, like, uh, I had met Alan Stevens in uh-huh. Colorado before I'd come to L.A. at a club. And so, I'm, st- you know, at the time he was in with Kinnison and that all started to heat up and that was all rock and roll and Billy Idol and yeah. craziness. And so... I uh, we kind of dated for a little bit, you know. He's much older than me at the time, and uh, and then one time I had a set on a like Saturday night, and then he was like, "We're all gonna rent vans and drive up to Vancouver. You want to come?" And I was just like, "Yeah, it just doesn't thrill me to be in a van with a bunch of cokeheads going over the Rocky <laughs> Mountains into an inter- another country. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it just doesn't." As the twenty-one-year-old in the scenario, it just doesn't sound great, you know. So, um, so I was around those guys and participated and knew those guys, but it was a little standoffish, you know, yeah. because it was just—it was a lot. I mean, it was a lot of stuff going on around there. And we, and coke was just super prevalent at the time. Oh my god! Yeah. Well, that it, not just there, everywhere. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And and LA. Yeah. Do you do you feel like a lot of comics at that time? We're just doing coke to perform. I mean, do you think like that was a performative drug were for everyone? Addicted. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I Did you get involved with the coke at all? No, that wasn't my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. I could do a little freeze on on the gums, but it wasn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't. You know, God bless Sam Kinison, but no one needs to stay up to four in the morning to hear him pontificate. You know, <laughs> as he slurs. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah. he, you know, it was a a tremendous time for sure. I mean, yeah. That I got to see Richard Pryor on stage and see him work stuff out. Work stuff out, yeah, before he was really famous. Oh, yeah, and get to see, uh, you know, like Eddie Murphy and, I mean, yeah. Bruce Willis would come in all the time. <laughs> you know, it was just like such a schmooze fest. It, yeah. was, it was really fascinating. It's and, and I feel so lucky because I'm back at the comedy store. I mean, I was before the shutdown and uh, to see... Like so many generations of comedy, yeah. you know, like you must feel that way about like you've seen comedy in L.A. and you've seen comedy in New York up close, like both places, right? Yeah. And to see the level of talent that comes out and who makes it and who doesn't and what works and what moves people forward. I mean, it's all fascinating. It is all very fascinating. Now, one thing that your Wikipedia told me, and I don't know if you're... If you're checking By the way, I think that first husband of mine sometimes goes on Wikipedia and writes crazy <laughs> shit. I'm just telling you. No, but it, it mentioned the fact that you um, had had a persona when you started that changed. Like you became a decidedly blue comic, and you wanted to talk right. about sexual issues, relationship issues as a woman. Like that was sort of your purview as a comic. 
Well, that's what the PR person wrote at the time, but uh, but it was based on uh, there weren't a lot of women. Women weren't real. It wasn't acceptable for women to talk dirty. Yeah, you know, and even the women that blew up at that time, most of them weren't really talking dirty. Not really, and uh, and to be twenty one in a club where the average club goers. 34 35 what am i going to have in common with that person in a bar yeah you know what i mean and so because i had been a sex worker as a stripper it wasn't you know hard to be like i should talk about sex because it doesn't bother me yeah did you talk about being a stripper did you have good material no, that you? i locked that shit down tight oh, wow. yeah because come on who, yeah exactly you know you want to get all these guys like ideas yeah. or whatever it is no because they were already you know they were already yeah i imagine you had to bat them away constantly it was you know like it wasn't it it wasn't that wasn't a, so much a negative. I yeah. mean, it was like boring, but like, <laughs> you know, I, like, I'm going to tell you this story. So about 10 years after that, uh, I was doing Caroline's, remember the Caroline's comedy show? They used to have a Caroline's comedy show and they did in it. In LA? No, it was in New York, Caroline's Comedy Club. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they used to have one at the Seaport, a club at the Seaport. Oh. And they used to shoot, an, it was an A&E show, I think it was called Comedy at Caroline's or Caroline's Comedy Hour or something like that. And they would have like guest sets, just like how they always do. And Al Franken was one of the hosts. And this is when he was in SNL, obviously, and all that. And so I, uh, they were doing a couple different shows. And then I went to uh, the green room and a bunch of guys were in there and they were all talking and I was like be, talking dirty, just like they were talking dirty, yeah. you know. And, uh, but it was all in fun and games, you know, because you're comics. You know how of we course, are. Yeah. Like, suck a dick dolls <laughs> in your fucking inside, outside backyard. You know what I mean? Like, we're <laughs> comics, right? And so... Everyone laughs, and then they had to go leave to do marks in the set. And then Al Franken said something really nasty to me, and it, and it, and it was, in a way, not in that spirit. Yeah. You know, like, the guys at the store did t talk a lot of trash to me and at me, but it was, in a way, they were like... You're part of the family-ish. Yeah, 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 you know, it didn't bother me. Now, you know, I have different feelings about it. You know, if I was someone coming in now... Of course. You know... And uh, he, do you remember what he said exactly? Because we had been kind of talking dirty and stuff. Yeah, all of us together laughing or whatever. When they left, he came over and he got in my ear and he was like, "Is it more of a turn on when you turn a man on, or when a man turns you on?" Like it was like one of those things, yeah. right? Where it's like, "Are you hitting on me? What are you doing?" It was just creepy. Yeah, it was creepy. And uh, but we all move on, right? Yeah. But the one thing I would say about that. Which I is, and I'm not just uh, pointing him out. I think you know men in general at that time, and and they're starting to learn to do better. Obviously, because mm -hmm. they've had to, and yeah. because some guys are really good guys, even as some guys aren't. Yeah. But I thought I've been thinking a lot about that time, and and the worst damage that that behavior does is that it makes you feel like whatever you have to say and you know unless sex is accompanied with it as jokes or a part of the offering even if it's just conversation but it, unless it has that element 
you're, you have no value. Your mm. words have no value. That's how it made me feel. Because it, it's accumulative. Yeah. You know, like, by that time, let's say I'm seven years in the business. I did, I'd won Star Search. So I was probably like seven or eight years in the business. 150 guys only talked to me because of sex. Right? Yeah. And it... it, it devalued me so much even though i was participating in it because i i thought that's what you do to get in is you become one of the guys yeah but it was like a a trick because it just made me feel like in this unconscious way slowly where i you know does that make sense no it, it does make sense because the thing is you'll never really be one of the guys in a very intrinsic sense like you'll be told that you are and you'll have this feeling but ultimately there's something else going on i will say being at the comedy store at such a young age once you get in once you're really in once they stop fucking with you and you're really in you are one of the guys yeah you know sure right so and they know that you're off limits or something they know that they can't treat you because you're sort of protected by the collective there What's so funny because, uh, do you know Cliff Nestor's son? No. He wrote a book called uh, We Have a Real Estate Problem. He's a really uh, uh, solid writer about the history of comedy. And, and in this book, this book is about Indian American Indian comics in comedy. Oh, wow. And uh, uh, the title is We Have a Real Estate Problem was a joke of Charlie Hill. Do you know who Charlie Hill was? Charlie Hill was like one of the first American Indian comics. He did The Tonight Show. Yeah, I remember. He did Richard Pryor's show when Richard Pryor had his show. Like, just the greatest guy. And once I made Charlie laugh and I made Paul Mooney laugh, (laughs) I was in. Yeah. Then everyone knew, you know what I mean? Yeah. You had to be smooth, right? And and not that it had to be said or anything. It's just you became one of the guys, you yeah. know. But at that time, then came Star Search, <clears throat> a little bit around that time. And Star Search was such an apple pie show. And I won it. And then I started to have... So how it. did you go... For, so so before you did Star Search, so mm-hmm. apple pie, I mean, everything had to be super clean. Everyone, everything had to... Like comics, the dirtiest comics at the comic store was like, you should take my only clean joke because <laughs> you have no clean jokes, right? <laughs> there was a part of me that was like, I should take your yeah, jokes. Because yeah. it was $100,000, right? Hell, like yeah. I should take your fucking jokes, but I didn't. But... Uh, so how, I, did you, how did you negotiate your set at that point? You're like, you have to come up with... Now, I, I, I don't know how Star Search worked. I, I don't remember, but um, it was, did you have to keep coming back with different sets or was it one yeah, show? Yeah, it was, uh, so they, uh, for a whole season, they shot it in two chunks, right? Uh-huh. And then there would, uh, so there'd be like six weeks of shooting at the beginning of the year and then six weeks at the end. I could be wrong about the six week part, but you get my feelings. Yeah. Maybe it was four weeks or three weeks. But then uh, someone would become a semifinal from the, semifinalist from the first part. Someone would become a semifinalist from the second part. And so, if you were a semifinalist from the first part, you had to fucking wait, you know, six months before, am I going to win that $100,000, right? But by the time I had done it, uh, they had started running out of uh, comedians. So, they were like, all right, it's finally, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I auditioned for Star Search, but finally, <laughs> they were like, all right, right? And, uh, and so, uh, I got at the end of the second uh, chunk where they were uh, filming that set, those sets. 
and no one had won consistently. It was like a, a thing of luck. Yeah. No one had won consistently. So um, I can't believe we're fucking talking about Star Search. I love it. So then it came to, I went against, uh, it came between Bob Zaney, wow. Carrot Top, <gasps> and me, and this girl named Leslie Norris. I don't know if you know who Leslie know is, right? And Leslie Norris was a little bit older than me, but she had blonde hair and a kind of a squeaky voice too, right? So it was kind of like the same act. Mm. So uh, I Bob Zaney beat out Carrot Top. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I can't believe this is. A, you know what's so funny about Star Search? When I when I talked to the old guys, like I was talking to Mark Brazil. Mark Brazil created the '70s show, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, and so we're, we're hanging out the other day, and he's like, "Oh, and that fucking guy who cheated me out of Star Search," and I'm like, <laughs> "Fuck you! You made fifty million dollars on that '70s show. Like, shut the fuck up, right?" Oh my God. Anyway, they all are like that. So, uh, Bob, what Bob Zaney did is he did like uh, props, like Carrot Top. Yeah. Because he went first. That's so right. he's, he was like, fuck it. You know, it becomes like <laughs> Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. So he did the props first and then Carrot Top. And then so he won. And then I had to go against Bob. Uh, oh, then. Bo- uh, you had to go against Leslie first? I had to go against. I went against Bob Zaney, uh-huh. and 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 Bob Zaney went to go pull a balloon out of his jacket to do fucking balloon, and the balloon broke. Oh, you're like, <laughs> I was, fuck I was yeah! Like, yes. <laughs> so then I went to the finals against <laughs> Leslie Norris. Oh, that's great. And then Leslie Norris uh, got to go first, and so uh, you know we both had fine sets. But I thought it's probably better to go second, right? Because you can look at them and see. Well, because we were so similar, not in material or uh, personality, but in look, we both had yeah. like we were both very similar. Yeah. So I thought she probably had more of the element of surprise. So after our sets, they calculate everything up. Takes like an hour. These are people calling in from their landlines. Is that how how would they I vote? Don't th- I don't know. They had uh, celebrity judges. Who were the celebrity judges? Well, one of them was Jose E. Bear, mm-hmm. the hairstylist, the famous hairstylist of that time. <laughs> so he knew about comedy. Yeah. <laughs> who was the other one? Oh my God, I have to really was think Dick about that. Clark, the head, who, who was like the host of Star Search? Uh, Ed McMahon. Ed McMahon, that's right. Yeah. Oh my God. You know what's so funny? You know, uh, at, in the finals, they had the model spokesperson. Uh-huh. And it was that chick that was in that cherry pie video back in the day. Who's that? Bobby Brown, <laughs> cherry pie, that song, right? <laughs> yeah. And so she goes, she was up before us, and she goes to uh, do the model spokesperson thing, right? And she <laughs> flubs it, right? But it's for the $100,000, right? And so she stops, and you know she's stopping to re- have cameras reset to go again. And then there's this long, awkward moment. And then you hear Ed McMahon goes, <clears throat> I'd like to remind everyone that this is a competition. <laughs> and she's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and Britney Spears was like on one of my shows as a little girl, oh, by the way. Oh, my God. That's Isn't that crazy. so silly? That's so silly. So then I afterwards, I thought that Leslie won. I go up to her dressing room, and I could hear her like, yee-haw, in her dressing room. And I knock on the door, and I'm all like, Leslie, I, I think you had the element of surprise and a little bit stronger set and i just want to be the first person to congratulate you and then she's southern and she looked at me and she was gave me this really 
cheesy smile she's like well it's all in god's hands and i was like fuck you bitch i won i'm gonna win (laughs) and then i won oh that's great (laughs) and then then, later i was in the dressing room with my boyfriend uh and i could hear her crying oh and i felt bad yeah god hated her apparently um so that's a hundred thousand dollars that's a lot of fucking money i mean anytime it was a lot of money now, when you get that type of money, do you go? Do you have a plan for it? <laughs> like, what do you, what do you, what do you think as a as a young? Because this point, I mean, I guess you're like, you're still in your twenties. Yeah. Do you go? I'm gonna buy a house. No, I didn't buy a house because, uh, God, who was it? A big comic said to me, "Don't buy a house." I had oh, not a big comic, but someone I really love. Alu Bell. Alu Bell. Alu Bell said, "Don't. I know it's you'll want to buy a house. Don't do it because it'll be a drag on you, and you should worry about your comedy and not wow. buying a house." And I was like single and like I'm not gonna buy a house. Yeah. Know? So I just, uh, you know, did my thing. Yeah. Bought a sports car. <laughs> <laughs> and so before Star Search, as you were coming up, you, did you have your own show at the Comedy Store? Was it the type of thing you were just a regular, just going there every night? It's pretty much getting spots like five nights a, a week. I would say four to five nights a week. That's great. And yeah, no, it was, and I took, I really took it for granted. Sometimes I wouldn't go in, like, but that was kind of like how everyone one yeah, was back then. Now you would never do that in a million <laughs> oh fucking God. years. Yeah. It was so relaxed, you know. Yeah. And it was such a great time because you didn't have to feel pressured about having good sets because mm-hmm. you were there uh, to kind of figure yourself out, and so and she made everyone know that you were there to figure your shit out you were there to work it out so she you know you could you could do what i mean one time i saw damon waynes behind the curtain in the original room do 45 minutes and walk the crowd and and do a character of the ghost behind the curtain doing comedy you know what oh I mean? so he did his whole set behind the curtain oh, yeah. So, yeah. Like, like you could do whatever you wanted it was like a glorious time yeah and that's sort of how she was able to justify not really paying comics she's like this is how you workshop for the Tonight Show or right, stuff like that. Right. Did, did the Tonight Show opportunities come to you? Was that No, um, uh, Jimmy Brogan was a booker at the time. Very great guy, Jimmy Brogan. And uh, uh, I said to him once, uh, hey, Jimmy, can I showcase for the Tonight Show? And he's like, no, you're too dirty. And I'm like, well, I'm only a little bit dirty. And he goes, yeah, but that's like saying there's only a little bit of garlic in, this, in the soup. You still taste the garlic. And I was like, yeah, but without the garlic, there's no flavor. You know? So I never got, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will tell you the big moment that ch- changed my confidence uh, at that time, probably a few years before Star Search, was I went to go see Bill Hicks. Oh, wow. And uh, out the outskirts of town. And I was getting a lot of shit that, like, the Jimmy Brogan thing happened right before that. And I I was really having a lot of self-doubt about, Mm. what am I doing? Like, why do I always have to be so dirty? What is that compulsion? Like, am I fucked up? I feel the same thing. You know what I mean? And then I went to go see uh, uh, Bill Hicks, and he, by some miracle of whatever actually had a joke that was verbatim to one of my jokes oh wow and for me it was like my closer and for him it was like a throwaway <laughs> but seeing bill hicks do something like i yeah, I, I'm on I the right wrote track. a joke just like bill hicks yeah. you know what i mean it was like a big moment yeah so. for sure absolutely yeah that i feel like that still happens to me sometimes i'll see a comic i'll see bill barber like <gasps> Right. Well, now I can't do the joke anymore. Fuck it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It ruins the joke for you, but 
yeah, still yeah. it still feels good though like yeah especially if you're in a moment of doubt like wow yeah. i could i can do this now at, at, so you're a young attractive woman in hollywood who who is funny and dirty and well whatever you're just funny and um obviously comedy is the lowest uh head on the totem pole right so um the thing that people want is the TV or the movies. Or right. Was that something that interested you? Was that something that you pursued? Or did you, were you just kind of like, you oh. You know, I had a, like a bunch of holding deals. I was on oh, Full House. Oh, that was house. a day back in the holding deals. Yeah, I was on Full House. A couple episodes. I had my own pilot. But was I it called Felicia? It was not. and uh, <laughs> It was uh, supposed to be with Dom Irera. <gasps> Love it was Dom. actually a, one I had written. You know, and it turned into something else. And then Dan Hedaya, the actor Dan Hedaya, uh-huh. yeah. eventually took Dom's part. And uh, You shot the pilot. Was it with the, when the big was, three? It was for Fox. For Fox. It was HIP for Fox, which was HBO for Fox. Yeah. HBO Productions, I think, for Fox. But uh, everyone liked it except Rupert Murdoch. That's what I was told. and uh, But I didn't care for it. Yeah. You know, it... it it sucked because you you, in just because you think oh this is how they what they say everyone should have. Mm-hmm. This is like if you make it you have this, but then when you're doing it and you're like, I don't really like this. This yeah. is you not my thing. You know, I, and I wasn't a great actress and I didn't really enjoy it. And then that's when I moved to New York because I really. You know, I did okay, but I really wanted to learn the craft of comedy. Yeah. And I and uh you felt like you'd hit a ceiling in LA? I was got married at the time and then he had a job opportunity that uh presented itself and I just was you know, had been doing comedy about 12 years in LA at the time and I was just like it's time to shake it up. Yeah. And, and and at that time I was traveling like 35 weeks a year on the road. Oh, wow. Because that was different time then. And you were just headlining or you were traveling I w- somewhere I else? I was very lucky. I middled for about uh, a half a year. And then I was, as soon as Star Search happened, I became a headliner. Of course, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was... Who did you middle for? Just different people. Well, I middled for everybody once. <laughs> and then they were like, you know, like I remember one time at Caroline's, I was middling for Dom Herrera and uh, and I was like, Dom, I do this joke about, you know, the average length of a woman's pussy and all this, right? <laughs> but the joke and, and, you know, like, if you don't want me to do it, I won't do it. And he was all like, shut the fuck up, do whatever you want. But the, <laughs> the joke is like 10 minutes long of like, you know, the hunt for Red October was filmed in my pussy. You know, it was like that. You know what I mean? It was like, Michael Jackson is dangling a baby outside my pussy. It was like those kind of stupid jokes. You know? It's making me laugh. They were so stupid. They were like, evil Knievel, jump my pussy. You know, it was like just 20, like not yeah. 20, but like at least. 10 minutes of just screaming shit out. <laughs> I can't imagine you as a screaming comic. <laughs> I was, oh my God, are you kidding? From being a little girl that grew up on welfare and was yeah. an army brat to being a 28-year-old woman yelling, you know what I mean? <laughs> yelling shit out like that. So, the LA earthquake happened in my pussy. It was like the most freeing thing. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, so all this stuff happened, the pilots holding deals, all this stuff happened in LA, and you meet this guy, he's not a comic, obviously, he's a, like a person, like a person, Who? person, your, your husband at the time. Yes, As, uh, do you know Dave Becky? Oh, what do you mean? That's my ex-husband, yeah. Did I know that? 
I don't know if I knew that. Dave Becky. I briefly worked at at work. I was briefly with his production as management company. Generate, yes. Right. No, Three Arts. Three That's arts. Dave Rath. Okay. No. Okay. Oh well, Dave, but yeah, Dave, I know who Dave the Becky people. is. Yeah. Okay. I back in the day, you used to yeah. always get those. Okay. Two so, um, so you married Dave Becky. He moved back to New York to have a management company with a production company. They. Uh, uh, he worked for Messina Baker. And Dave Becky is really because he repped Chappelle, right? No, no, that's Barry Katz first rep Chappelle. Who, who did Dave Becky wreck that was his big, big guy? Well, he has Burr now. Burr, he yeah. He had Louis. He had everybody. Yeah, he had, everyone, he had yeah. everybody because he worked at uh, Three Arts. Yeah, and, huge. And uh, uh, so as an assistant, and I actually helped him get the job oh, wow. because Michael Rotenberg was my manager. Okay. And then... Uh, one day he came home and he was like, "This weird thing happened today at work. They asked any of the assistants if they want to go to New York and open like a tiny satellite office. And I was like, did anyone say yes? And he's like, no. And I go, you should go back. Because I was like, I want to fucking do comedy yeah. in New York, right? That's what I'm thinking, yeah. right? Because I'm a narcissist, right? I was like, no, <laughs> you should go back and tell them you want to do it. Because if you go back to new york when you come back to la no one will know or remember that you were an assistant yeah and then he went to new york and he signed everybody, everybody. Yeah, yeah everybody out and, of new york oh wow so i you know i i dated an agent yeah, he signed amy poehler amy like, poehler yeah. yeah he signed everybody no i mean his, his name he's one of the biggest names in comedy i mean even to this day um and I dated an agent briefly when I was first out of uh, grad school, and it was a weird thing too because she was never my agent, but mm. she was an agent, and she loved me, so she was looking out for me, um, kind of on the DL. Oh yeah, it's the worst thing to uh, date it's your a double an agent. Was he your agent? Was he, he your manager? Well, he became my manager de facto because yeah. when we moved to New York, then he was like, "I might as well just cover you in New York." But yeah. it wasn't. He didn't do it with any joy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a call. Oh, I know it was like that. Yeah. So in New York, the same thing. You just start hitting the clubs. What was your club that you started doing? Um, and New York was, I, you know, I had done already some clubs there off and on, but moving there, I got passed first at the comic strip. Uh huh. And then, Which know. was the place at the time, yeah. Do you ever do the cellar? Was that your. I did the cellar, but I was, SD was never, didn't care for yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, rightfully so, because, man, you can be funny as fuck all over the country and you go to New York and you're like, hey, my name is Fleet. And they're like, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> you know, and, you're, and you're like, uh-huh. Well, anyway, so what are you guys doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, New York will shake your shit down. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, uh, so you're doing all the clubs there in New York. And did you feel at any point when you're in New York, like this was... What was the big difference in terms of comedy going from L.A. to New York? Did you experience something like just the style you felt like people or the audiences were more less forgiving or more aggressive? Like what was the? Um, they were less forgiving and they didn't tolerate bullshit. Yeah. You know, they didn't they could see the trick coming a mile away. Wow. Yeah. And uh, but it was also like right after that, uh, right before that, I had done uh, Playboy. Uh-huh. Uh so f for me th that was a r relief like getting back to what we were talking about earlier is 
uh, I was so after Star Search paranoid that people would find out that I was a stripper because everything was very taboo. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Everything like they weren't playing like that. Now back it's like being a stripper. That's a great. Yeah, thing. now it's like you know. Here, I mean, not a great thing, but like movie as a comic. deal. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're real, you know. <laughs> uh, so, uh, it was really a great chance of like I'm gonna do Playboy and then I'm going to. Uh, move past that part of my life yes like you know what i mean so even though i was still kind of a dirty comic i moving to new york facilitated a lot of change within my act and really becoming an artist and it was and it was supportive because back in that time that's probably like i would say we moved to new york in 94 but la everyone was you know kind of hung over from the cocaine era and you know alternative comedy was taking root and everything was starting to change and everyone was taking their camps and it was like improv against the comedy store <laughs> it was like all that shit and then you go to new york and like everybody's like here's this gig go here's to that gig, gig. Yeah. you know what i mean like do it, five gigs one night people in comedy were actually friends with each other yeah not just hanging out with people to get something and do drugs because in new york at the time they didn't the 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 golden carrot wasn't really hanging out in terms of like the TV show or the pilot necessarily the right. development deal. 100%. And like, as I got saw uh, seen in LA at a very young age before I really was competent, you know, in New York, it gives you a little bit of anonymity to be able to mm. stretch yourself in some of the smartest audiences in the country. Yeah, know? for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Do you feel like that's changed at all? Because I, I, I kind of feel like New York, because people ask me about New York, I, I feel like LA audiences are, people always ask, are New York cars harder? And I don't really know. This is still the epicenter of entertainment in LA. Mm-hmm. So people are very aware of everything going on in comedy and TV and movies and da da da. So I feel like some of the tricks, like you said, people see the trick coming from a mile away. I feel like people in LA are pretty privy to that shit now. Well, yeah, but it's, uh, and, and people are more supportive of each other now. Yeah. It's a, it's LA has changed in that way. Yeah. There's still people like, you know, like the old days, obviously, but, uh, just a newer version of it. But, uh, when a lot of New York comics started, cause it was like two different camps, you know, like, yeah. and when, when everyone started mixing it up more and, LA became very uh, 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 its own way of had its own way of starting to lift each other up. Yeah, you know what I mean. Got like, because and it was also at that time when you were on the road, you didn't take people with you on the road. I mean, unless you were Kinnison, but yeah. even if you're a Star Search, where you weren't like, here's my opener. You were like, you know, I was lucky to get the fucking job. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, even yeah. with a good credit, you couldn't afford to fly someone out. With yeah. You. Whereas now, it it's all very friendship oriented. It always has been, but. Uh, but now it's you know you if you like you go on a road you're probably gonna take a fella if you if you wanted to if you were in a good club I mean I took you with me to Vegas there you go I requested yeah. you yes thank you yes thank you and you were great thank you and I was like, I don't think she likes me and then you said yes and then we we had brunch that time and I was like wow you're really super cool and when did your when did your first kid come about in all this in uh, so we were in New York. And I was uh, working the road like 35 weeks a year for a good solid decade. And uh, he came around when I was like 35, around then. Yeah. Yeah. And was it planned? What did you, were you like? No, my kids are adopted. 
Oh, they're adopted. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, my kids are adopted. That's very planned, obviously. Yeah. How was that process? Is that process... I know it's changed it's over the years. It's hard. Yeah. But it should be. I mean, yeah. Like you're either going to have physical labor or mental labor. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, you're, no one escapes it. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. And so where did you, where did you get your uh, first adopted My kids child? were adopted out of Florida. Do you adopt them at the same time? Uh, no, but they are half brothers. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, it happens a lot when people have a, a, a give up a baby for adoption. uh, uh they started changing the rules that if they had another baby, like mm. now they try to see the family that took the first baby once the second, you know, so. And was this something that you'd always wanted to do? Or I always knew since I was a kid. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to, you know what I I'm mean? I'm not going to ruin this playboy body, but yeah. No, 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 oh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> oh, hillbilly jeans are the best. You kidding me? I'm a hillbilly. <laughs> um, so you, you, you adopt your kids and that must, that's obviously a huge change in right. your life. Like what do you do as a comic at that point? You have to did comedy for about another year and then when the second one came and that was right around 9-11 happened when he was like two months old yeah and i was about to go gigging again i was like you know i'm kind of done because his business started doing really well mm-hmm. and you know you have that slump like you have a everyone has a, you know some people don't have it that are incredibly fortunate they're going to have it later, later. You know what I mean? No one escapes the <laughs> slump. At some point, slump. you slump in yeah. anything you do. Yeah. yeah. And so I was going through a slump, and I started uh, doing a lot of photography and filmmaking, and I went to, uh, you know, took a film course at NYU. I just got so burned out of comedy. I mean, yeah. it, was just, it was just got so old, right? And so so you, you actively quit comedy, stand up for a bit, huh? Yeah, I did. And do you remember the moment when you quit? It was like a gradual just phasing no, out. No, it was uh, the week of 9-11 because I was supposed to go to a gig. And I was like, I'm not getting on a plane. And I have two little kids at home, you know, under the age of 18 months. Yeah. Like, what am I you doing? You don't need like, the money at this point. He's starting to do okay. Like, what am I, what am I doing? What, you know, and... I was just still at that point, like not secure enough, even if I was secure enough as a comedian as to, to really write. I started writing more and doing a lot more photography, but, uh, and so I had like kind of a little career with that for a while. And what was your, where was your, where you published for the first time in your writing? Uh, with my writing, like, you know, just like Huffington Post yeah. and stuff like that. Was that something you'd always been doing, or is it something just a new no, skill that you developed? Um, no, because I am dyslexic, oh. and I I didn't you know I barely graduated high school, so I always felt really inadequate in that way. Because there's you know comedians come in different from different backgrounds. Yeah. Like at that time, it really felt like there were the comedians that came out of college. And those were the people that, like, you know, either worked at The Onion or did something like that and were more serious sketch people mm-hmm. and writer and Rough became TV. writers. Yeah. And then there were, like, street comics. And I was a street comic, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, t- you know, and then I did Playboy. So it's like, I'm going to be a writer now. And everyone was like, sit down, bitch. <laughs> sit your ass down. <laughs> and your photography is is great. And your writing is great. The first time I knew you, I read, this is so weird, but the first time I read your writing was on a, a Facebook post, probably like, I don't know, like five, six, six years ago, maybe. 
I was like, this bitch can write. Oh, thanks. It was really moving. I, I don't remember Thank what it was. You. But then I, and then I would always like read your posts. I think that was part of the reason why I wanted to work with you too. Because I was like, wow, she's really... Cu-. And then you would you would show your paintings too. Or your painter too, right? You know. And your paintings are great. They're not great. They're they're okay. You're they're just okay. modest. No, no, no. Cause pathologically you modest. You see some you. people who paint, you're like... Oh, yeah, okay. Oh. Of course, of course, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but I mean, for, like a, for a dipshit like me, it's amazing. Um so at that point, so your your photography, your writing, do you feel content at this point? Are you kind of like, are you getting the itch again? How long were you out of the game? Like almost ten years. Almost ten years. Almost and did 10 you years. were you missing it on a daily basis or I, weekly or when monthly? When I quit, I I like when it reminded me of leaving Colorado as an eighteen year old or yeah. a nineteen year old. When I left Colorado in that shitty little gold rust bucket of a Honda. <laughs> And I w- drove past a junction. What, what is it? Grand Junction, Grand Colorado. Junction, exactly. I go across the state line. Yeah. I literally turned around and flipped Colorado yeah, off. Like, and done. that's how I felt about comedy when I quit. Yeah. I was like, fuck comedy. Fuck yeah. y'all. But then it, it was also because, you know, like when you you were saying dating an agent, I, I was living with my manager, right? Yeah. And he had, I wasn't his style. He, he kind of inherited me. And he was the father of my children. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just wasn't good. And it's not his fault. Yeah. It just yeah. became uh, a thing where I just was, because all we did was talk about comedy. And then once comedy was off the table, it's like, we really don't have anything in common. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So that marriage lasted for how long? Um, we were together like 14 years. 14 years. Yeah. Which I not know. married 14 years, but together 14 yeah, years. Yeah, that's, that's, hey. Hey, that's a chunk of change. In man. Hollywood, that's a yeah. golden anniversary, May yeah. It never happened to me again. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, so after the marriage was over, did, was that when you started getting back that's into it? That's when I was, uh, I was like, I have something to say. I'm, I'm not able to find uh, articles or things being written that are of my experience and the pain that I'm feeling and I want to express. And then uh, I got back into comedy, yeah. Yeah, and in, in, in New York still. No, in L.A. So you've divorced, go back to L.A. Well, we actually had uh, just moved back to Oh, you moved back, back. got it, yeah. got it. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. eventually when shit starts getting really good, you got to move back to L.A. You got to move back to L.A., <laughs> When yeah. things start really yeah. popping. Um, and I imagine at that time, Louis was probably blowing up at the time. Yeah, things were great. So you come back to the comedy store and you're like, Mitzi. Oh my God, no. <laughs> well, Mitzi then was sick. She was sick, so and she wasn't so, really, yeah. You know, I'd seen her a couple of times, and, uh, but Tommy was booking the store. Mm-hmm. Tommy, yeah. the notorious t- he who shall not be named, <laughs> who was, I don't know. All I know about him is he goes, I like you, man. You just need more FaceTime here. I'm like, not going to happen. Yeah. Either book me or don't. I don't care. I'm not going to do put yeah. in FaceTime. So I started doing like open mics again. Yeah. And then I went to the comedy store. I'd hang out here and there. And I went to the comedy store. A whole different and, group and of people it's, it's now like, too. Yeah. Was it, were you, it was kind uh, of the dark times a little yeah. bit. It was like starting to slowly inch out of the dark time because it got real dark at the comedy store. Sure. During that period I was in New York. And mm-hmm. uh, uh, it had a slump. It went through a slump. Yeah, you know? it was a slump. And uh, I said to Tommy, you know, my name's on the wall, blah, 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 blah. Let me introduce myself. And he point blank told me I was too old. He oh, literally is like, we don't book the yourself. old guys here. Oh, <laughs> and it, and it was so in my face that it made me laugh. It was like, 
<laughs> All right. Well, there you go. There you <laughs> like, go. You know I mean? <laughs> and then it was hard because, you know, um, my ex-husband at the time was having an excellent career. And, yeah. You know, uh, when we divorced, it, everybody went to him. You know what I of mean? Of course, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, you no, know? I know exactly. I, 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 had, I, had, I was dating a girl who dated a very big manager. And once they broke up, it was the same thing. It was like, oh, people really care about fucking money and power in this town, don't they? <laughs> yeah, because their lives depend on it. Yeah, yeah. like, and and it wasn't like his fault. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like, what are you gonna do? You can't say to your friends, "Stay friendly with my ex." <laughs> You're like, who's gonna fucking do that? I wouldn't do that, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then, at that time, I had, was thinking about doing comedy. I'd been doing a couple sets, and I was like, "I'm fucked." I'm there's. I'm in the lowest hole as an awkwardly aged old woman comic there could be, right? And you know who called me up? Who? Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz. Joey Diaz. And it turned Uncle Joey. Honestly, I didn't really remember him or understand who he was. And then I, and then he told me, he goes, uh, you headlined in uh, at the Comedy Works back in the day. And I was the MC, and I just got out of prison, and uh, and it was my first time MCing. And uh, you said something nice to the club owner, and I rem- and then I remembered who he was. Yeah. And the, I remember the night because he fucking killed that. He was a killer from the from get go. And the club owner was like, uh, or the manager was uh, paying me. And I was just chit-chatting. I was like, you should give that guy more sets, right? Yeah. And he got more sets. Just coincidence, I'm sure, you know. But uh, so he called me up and he's like, you want to start a podcast? Amazing. Yeah. And then we had a little podcast. And it was very popular. Yeah, it was did quite well. And this is like Joey, right yeah. when, pop, when podcasts yeah, kind of started. Yeah, this is at the beginning of it, yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. And then things kind of changed. You got back in the comedy, comedy store. In, in the it took me factory. a while, though. It took me yeah. a while in the comedy store. Because then I went kind of through an angry phase, like, they're not booking enough women. And I went through I think that I phase. remember you briefly at that point. I was pretty I, angry I think at that the first time. couple times I saw you, I was like, I just thought you hated me. Cause I, I don't just know. Goes, went through an angry And then yeah, finally, Joey was like, you got to shut the fuck up with that and just work <laughs> on writing your jokes. And I was like, you are correct, sir. <laughs> And then That's like true for within right? six months, I was a regular at the comedy store because oh, I shut up and I wrote all my jokes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, that's amazing. And uh, now your kids, where, where are your kids now? They. Um, school and, you know, doing their thing. So you have to, how old are they? 20 and 21. Oh, wow. How so they're out daughter? of home. My daughter's 20. Wow. So yeah. you know. You know. She's she's yeah. up, at, up at Berkeley. Yeah. Yeah. And your kids, so your kids are out of home. What my, they, they one son before. does live with me one of my sons okay yeah yeah how's that he's about to move out oh uh, yeah yeah i can't wait you can't wait, <laughs> can't wait but then you're gonna be like oh shit i can't you know it's really hard every morning not to knock on his door and say is it today no <laughs> <laughs> no i'm excited uh but uh you know scare for him at the same time but yeah like any parent where's know? he going um, down the street. No, he's going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where you can still get money. Yeah, from he you. got a job, so he's working and uh, and can afford his own. He's going to have like twenty three roommates and do all that stuff. Yeah, of course. Do they want to get in the biz? Or are they kind of? No, 
I don't think so. It wouldn't surprise me, honestly, if my younger son was maybe an entertainment lawyer or something. Like, yeah. if, like it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. But uh, the older one. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It's a That's mystery. So cool. Um, well, listen, we've been talking for a while, and uh, you're you're awesome. What do you, what do you got going on? What do you? I know that that now that we're slowly coming out of this fakakta virus, allegedly, Jesus apparently. Jesus. What do you? Uh, I mean, obviously, you're going to be back in the comedy store when it opens. It's going to be probably. I hope. Gangbusters. I mean, when don't when it you like? You know, I mean, obviously, I'm the elder in this circle, right? <laughs> but you know, you're no spring chicken. I'm no spring chicken either. Yeah. You, are you nervous about? you know going back a little bit um i don't know not not I, I, you know it's funny because i've always been kind of i, I don't know i've never really th- <laughs> never really thought about it i just kind of like I, I don't really do a lot to i i'm not a very good person with this stuff because i don't look for jobs or actively pursue jobs or try to get booked all the time i just kind of like Put around and someone goes, "Hey, you want to work?" Okay, right. Okay, you know, yeah. and, and it's not good. I mean, I should network and socialize. Because the first year, like all the good gigs, all the paying money gigs. First yeah. of all, if they're still half open, yeah. they're not really making money. Yeah. So, but they're going to want names. Mm-hmm. So to go on the road, that's the thing. That's like, going to be I, uh, clogged I, up. I know it's weird because because I, I am. I mean, I've been headlining for a while now. You've been headlining for a while too, but it's also like it doesn't matter if you're not a draw, if even if you're a headliner. So I was, I've been in a weird place for a while where I was middling for people, and, and I'm not naming names, and I'm not even saying anything bad, but they're like, they're like, you're great, I like you. I'm not gonna fucking have you feature again. No fucking right. way. I mean, because because they're like you're too. The I mean, they literally tell me they'll say you're too. Spot. Yeah, they'll say you're yeah. too good, and, and yeah. like they, they'll be there when they're like right. when the drunk people. You should be the headliner, and and I don't mind that when that happens. You know, I don't really care when people do it to my feature. I'm sure people said it to you when we opened together. I think it's a good thing. You want your feature to make you go. I'd watch you sometimes. Like she's getting pretty hard on men i better come up with a counterpoint when i get up on there you know what i mean i, right. I like it i like to have someone who is who is i like i always like to have a, a a woman on with me on the road because i don't want it to be a monolithically male show i never have and and i learn a lot from watching female comics you know i i, I get i think female comics right now are some of the like if you if you strip away all the bullshit are really s- some of the most creative writers right now. Absolutely. You know, like, like it's pretty amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah. there's some women comics coming up where you're like, fuck. I know, I know. It's funny because I came up with with Eliza and I think, you know, we've had our issues in the, in the past or whatever and um, I watch her now working on stuff and I'm like, this chick is relentless, man. She is in sometimes focused for sure. She is She's focused. dialed in. And even yeah. if sometimes some areas aren't as strong as other areas, it's like she is constantly on the grind. No, she's dialed and, in. And for it's sure. fucking amazing to watch, you know. I've never <laughs> I've never been like that. But um yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't know cuz the truth is like uh, who knows? Maybe at some point I'm going to be like, "Nah. Nah. I'm done." <laughs> who knows? But there's always something else, you know. As long, right. as, you're, as long as you're creative and you're working on shit, and you know, yeah. yeah. I always think like my whole life is going to be over, and then I'll book something. I'm like, okay, fine. 
Right. Well, you know, that's the condition. What are yeah, you going to do? Yeah, exactly. Um, so is there, where can people find you? you? You have podcasts you're doing right now, right? Right. Well, we're uh, our podcast two truths and lie. Uh, yeah, called The Liar's Club, Liar's where Club. we tell uh, two stories. One is the truth, one is a lie. You've been on it many times. I've We've lost had, both times. You've, you are a <laughs> terrible liar. You're fucking <laughs> the worst liar. And uh, But we've had amazing comics on it. We have so much content. You can find it all on YouTube, The Liar's Club with Felicia Michaels and Jessica Wellington. <clears throat> and uh, it's on the Comedy Store YouTube. It's part of the Comedy Store uh, podcasting situation over there. We did take a hiatus, but we are slowly gearing it back up. We did our nice. first one last week with oh, Laura cool. Bites. Nice, was I love Laura. Recently on the uh, David Spade show on Comedy uh-huh. Central. She's great. She's an extremely funny lady, and mm-hmm. uh, but we just you know we will have you back on. Hopefully, you were on and I'm uh, win right this when. Time. Right when the podcast. Right when coronavirus yeah. started. Yeah. Yeah. There's some weird shit going on then. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, well, hey, I could keep you here forever. You're, you're amazing. I'm so glad you came. And well, hung if people out with could me. do me a favor, if yeah. you have Amazon Prime, you can go watch my uh, comedy special on Amazon, nice. Amazon Prime called The Whole Story. When did that come out? Uh, it came out like a year and a half ago, and, uh, and uh, it's free if you have Prime. Amazon Prime, the whole story. Or you can watch my documentary film called Pervs. Felipe Esparza is in it. I remember that. I saw a screening yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah. That was, in, that was an intense. It's a weird little film, right? Intense and weird and very cool. Very, It, it left me with a feeling that I don't know if I, it was a good feeling. <laughs> no. But it was interesting. <laughs> I mean, it was provocative, which is what it art should weird. always be, right? <laughs> well, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for coming. You're welcome. And hope thank I'll you see for you having around. me. Bye-bye. No, guy.